money's getting tighter, more people need money. So since that's the case and it's becoming more of a buyer's market, there's more sellers willing to sell because money's getting tighter, more people need to liquidate assets. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey everyone, this is episode 98 of the Real Estate Investing Podcast, discussing negotiating real estate deals in a recession. I'm your host, Daniel Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get started, let's go over a question from one of our featured members in our Discord community. Question is, I know you guys talk about buying properties 30 to 45% of what they are worth. As someone who has not started in this business yet, it seems crazy to me. Who are your typical sellers? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, it, it is crazy and we do it over and over and over again and it's never really slowed down. There are so many motivated. When you get into rental properties and stuff like that, there's people aren't selling their rental properties at 50%. When you get into land, we have owners where excuse me, where if we're buying land in Texas, an owner might be in New York who inherited it. That's a very common thing. Uh, an out-of-state owner who inherited it, or even just an out-of-state owner who is planning on moving to an area. They put 10 grand into land 20 years ago to buy it in a different state with some thoughts that they were going to move to that state, build a house, and they never did it. So those are like it's it's all over the place as far as people who are looking. Most of our people who sell to us are making money on the land. They just bought it a long time ago for a decent amount less, and they're trying to just get cash out of the land and just they're trying to liquidate. We sell to them. Uh, we we can close in two weeks. That's our big selling point. Like we'll get you your money in two weeks. No hassle, or anything like that. No realtors involved. Uh, here's our offer. So. Yeah, as someone who hasn't been in it, Daniel, I can see how it seems. It, it does sound crazy. It still does, but we do it over and over again. And uh, I don't know. It just, it happens. It still sounds crazy when you look at it from that surface, I think, when you're not kind of in the game. We thought that at first too, and we still hear that comment over and over again because it does sound crazy. But at the end of the day, Ron, there's no easy way to liquidate land. It's hard to liquidate, especially if you're talking people who inherited the land, never been there, and all the other reasons people sell. Like there are so many different situations we get. They didn't pay a dollar for it, Ron. They inherited it. You said they bought it for cheap a long time ago. A lot of people also got it for free or they've lived in that area a long time and they just know everyone and they got land really discounted five, 10 years ago. And at the end of the day, Ron, just like anyone else, they need money. They don't live on their land. Their land's an extra asset that they have. So when they need $10,000, $50,000, $100,000, and that letter hits at the right time and they got to pay their kids tuition or whatever their situation is, or pay their mortgage or pay their car before it gets repoed. That's when we come in, we hit them at the right time and we get the process done and it's extremely easy for them and they liquidate it very fast. But other than that, Ron, that's all I have. Let's get into the show. Negotiation and real estate deals during a recession. So we're going to talk about negotiating real estate deals in a recession, this is a hot topic, Ryan. On our Wednesday calls at 6 p.m., like last night, we had two or three people bring up how we're gonna how we're adjusting for recessions, Ron. Yeah, and like from a buyer's perspective, let's just get into the market real fast and what we're seeing. Like the market is without a doubt slowing down pretty much everywhere in the country. I know, Daniel, you're talk talk to me about that. Just because uh, you were looking for a house in St. Pete six months ago, and I know you went and looked at some houses today. Uh, what's the difference in that? Like, as far as how long those have been on the market, the price differences, uh, as we just kind of go over a short market update, talk about your experience. Pricing similar, less competition on buying, on buying for sure. 
pricing hasn't dropped significantly. You'll see more price drops because people used to just put it over market and still get multiple offers. People are putting it over market and having to drop down to market value type of things. But the main difference I see, Ron, is buying power. We have buying power. We can negotiate in contracts. We can get different things at closing and money back and concessions and things like that, which was not a thing months what was that? February. Now we're in October. So about eight months ago, it is way different. I saw one house today and I was like, this house would not have been around for this long. It was already on the market, I think almost two weeks. And it was a beautiful lot, big lot, fenced in yard, nice square footage, nice house. Well done. Just in a great area. It just wouldn't have been around more than a day, eight months ago, Ron. Yeah. And that's the same. That's crazy to hear, but it has happened fast. And when you raise interest rates, I think this is one of the fastest they've ever raised interest rates. I could be wrong, Daniel, uh, but I remember seeing that somewhere as far as how fast the interest rates have rise. Naturally, people cannot afford the same stuff. And I mean, we're seeing that same stuff in our in our market. Like there are not as many buyers out there to buy our land, but there are not as many buyers out there doing what we do, trying to offer prices. And in this market, people are going to need our money more than ever in terms of sellers needing to uh, liquidate their land. So I think as a whole, I think that's it. Like, I don't think prices have been hit too much in many areas. And from what we're seeing in land, I don't see that, but there are less buyers out there. You are going to have less competition for your properties. So you need to, I I've seen that a lot in land Daniel, where I have to be, when I'm selling a property, I need to be more lenient on terms. Uh, I need to give them some terms that make them feel a little better. Um, just like you kind of saw when you're looking at this stuff. So that's interesting kind of tying that back. Buying power is becoming stronger than selling power at this point. Inventory is also rising, Ron, because properties aren't selling as fast. Although if you look at the days in this and where I am currently, if you look on days on market, it's still very, very, very low. For houses, I think it was like 14 days on average, which is still almost as low as it's ever been. But we're at a point where it's flipping from sellers having all the power in such a hot market, choosing who they want, choosing their cash offer, having 20 offers on the table the first day type of things. Now to the buying power, less people, less money, money's more expensive. So everything, there's just going to be less money moving in the economy around at the end of the day. For sure. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's, it, it's going to get worse before it, I don't want to say worse or better, I guess, but the market is going to lean towards a buyer's market more than it is right now. Like it's going to keep going in that direction. If you're interested in selling your house potentially in the next two years, or like you're thinking about putting it on the market, I would probably put it on the market now instead of six months from now. Cause it's going, it's not going to just flip like that. It's going to keep on going to a, to a buyer's market. I think prices are going to be hit more in the next six to 12 months than they were in the last six months because uh, inventory is going to sit more. There's going to be more competition out there in terms of uh, buyers going to have more options of things to buy. And that's going to result in the prices dropping, in my opinion. But uh, going on to that, Daniel, let's just talk a little bit about like you're, you're trying to buy a property from a seller, direct seller, no realtor involved. What's kind of like when we do this, we want to gauge their motivation. Let's talk a little bit about that. You need to, when you're trying to buy off-market deals, negotiate off-market deals in a recession, uh, you have some buying power as the buyer. Talk about kind of those, those talks with the buyer, I guess you say, or with the seller, Daniel, and how you kind of go about that. In terms of just gauging their interest? 
Yeah, so you're trying to you're trying to buy a property for a off market property directly from a seller. Um, how how does that kind of look right now? Maybe how it looks right now versus six months from now. But yeah, gauging their interest, um, trying to fit, feel out their motivation, stuff like that. Definitely less responses in general from our sellers that say we used to get Ron. They would call us. They'd be like, "Boy, you know how how much my property's worth," which they still do. But they'd be like you know what the market's doing right now type of feedback. We don't get those as much anymore because my money's getting tighter. More people need money. So since that's the case and it's becoming more of a buyer's market, there's more sellers willing to sell because money's getting tighter. More people need to liquidate assets. And we just got a deal run from, we sent them a letter four months ago. It was closed out in our system. I went back and read those notes yesterday. It was closed out, deal lost. Right. And I read through those notes. They just weren't interested in selling. They had other offers, whatever happened. We let them walk. They said they had two other offers higher. We're like, whatever, we can't go up. We let them walk. Four months later, here we are this week, October, the week of October 17th or whatever Monday was. They call us back and we get it under contract. There's more situations like that. I think every lead needs to be, be stored somewhere you can touch them again. Don't just send them one piece of mail and forget about them. Someone who didn't need money three months ago might need money now. And I'm very straightforward as a salesman. I'll just, when they call, typically they have some sort of interest if they're calling you back, Ron, in my opinion. They have some sort of interest. Maybe they need more money. You have to gauge their interest somehow. Like what, try to figure out the root cause. Maybe, I mean, don't ask them why they, why they need the money, Ron, but you have to ask them as many questions as you can to try to figure things out, try to figure out what they're using the land for, uh, what they bought the land for. Have they ever been to the land? Do they have any kids? Because a lot of times their kids want to buy the land or inherit the land from them. There's a lot of things that go into seller's motivation, Ron. But at the end of the day, if they're calling you, there's some sort of motivation. Yeah. And I think keeping those notes, like you said, and being able to hit them for six months down the line is an important thing because you gauge their motivation in that first call. You're not going to always, and I try to get this I think I've we've done a decent job getting this across to our salesperson. Like, not every deal is going to be a first week deal, a first day deal. Sometimes it's going to be four or six months, like that deal that we just closed. Um, but having those notes on their motivation, um, telling them right now, like, listen, this is my offer. I can offer eighteen thousand dollars right now. There's no guarantee I can keep this offer four weeks from now. The market is not going up right now. It's going down. Uh, interest as interest rates rise, my offer price to you is going to go down. If you're interested, I if you're not interested, I understand. We can touch base six months from now and see where we are, see what you're looking for. If not, like if, if you want to move forward now, here's this is my offer. So I think you have there's more negotiating that's going on now because people are they're still going to want a lot of money and they're still going to try to push you to go higher, but you have things when the market keeps on going up and up and up, they're saying they're going to wait. And that's the, a good thing to do for them. Like it's going to go from 20 to 25, six months from now, maybe it's worth $30,000, 12 months from now. That's the opposite. Now that $20,000 property might be worth $14,000 a year from now. So I think that's a really good negotiation tactic. You just hit on two things, Ron. You hit on kind of an urgency. My offer is you do want to show some sort of urgency. Is there a deadline to your offer? What is that deadline? Hey, we can offer $20,000 today with interest rates rising, cash is getting tighter. I cannot promise you I can keep that for the week. Can you please let me know by Friday? Our offer is going to, as interest rates rise, like Ron said, our offer is going to drop. And then 
I think when you push some sort of urgency like that, Ron, you're, you're more inclined to get kind of a yes or no. And then you can put it on the back burner if they're not willing to and hit those people again, put them on your 90 day contact list or whatever that person was, that's a pretty good lead right there, Ron. I think someone who's kind of on the border, you want to make sure to come back and touch them in 90 days, 60 days, whatever that looks like in your system. But at the end of the day, Ron, yeah, just hitting them on urgency. I really like that comment you made. Yeah. I I think it's huge. Like, especially in this market, like as we're in, uh, we're in a recession, as we're in a recession, like the rates, the rates are going up and the prices are dropping. And that's just a straight up conversation. It's not like we're guessing or anything like that. That is what's going to happen. The Fed has already said they're going to, they're going to continue to raise interest rates until they can control inflation, which they have not been able to do up to this point. Uh, so using those tactics and the great thing is if we buy it for 20,000 today, we're putting that, that on the market two weeks from now, we're not going to be, and that's a question we're getting so much, Daniel, like, how are we changing the way we do things so quickly? It's not going to change much. What is going to change when we have those follow-up phone calls six months from now and we tell them, I told you so here's my new offer. Uh, which not in like a, I told you so way, but it's just a reality way. Like this property is not worth that anymore. I'm sorry. Um, but as far as like us buying something for 20,000 right now, when we think it's for, worth 42, we're not, we're going to end up posting that for 42 and selling it for 40. The price isn't going to drop to $35,000 in that short of a time frame. Um, but going on that, Daniel, and it's something that we've kind of, you have to beat this into your salespeople's heads as, as you hire and scale, like, not every seller is perfect for us, like a great fit. They don't have motivation to sell it. They're fine holding for 10 years. They have in their mind, like, it's okay. My property might go down the next 24 months, but over the next 10 years, it's going to be worth double what it is right now. So being able to pass on deals, Daniel, you want to touch base on a little on that? Because I think they knows you being able to say no to a deal is just as valuable as you saying yes, if not more. And, and going off that, Ron, kind of touching on both these points, evaluating sellers' motivations, like, over 50% of our sellers come to us and ask for more money, right, Ron? Over 50% of our sellers come to us and ask for more money, I would bet. And of that, I bet you we only give 25% of them more money. What I'm trying to go here is just let you guys know, just because they're asking for $19,000 and you offered them fifteen does doesn't mean they need that $19,000, especially in a market where money's getting tight. If I got a letter in the mail asking for selling my property for 15,000 and it had a number on there, I would call to ask if I can get 20,000 or whatever, just being me knowing I have that 15,000 in the back of my head, I still want that money, but then you have to be able to gauge their interest on the fly. Do they actually need $19,000? Is there a reason? Sometimes they'll tell you I bought this for 19. I ain't losing money on it or whatever that situation is. Um, so you have to gauge that interest. So that was more touching on the last point that I wanted to bring up Ron. be okay with sticking your ground, meeting in the middle, stick your ground though. I try to beat that in our salesman head, tell them, hey, listen, obviously this is going to be more you guys doing this than actually having a salesman, but look at it like they will take, you can always go up. It's hard to go down. You can always go up. It's hard to go down. Stick your ground, see their reaction, call them back if you need to, just kind of, you got to play it by ear in my opinion, Ron, but okay, let's go on to be okay with passing deals because this is something that as money gets tighter, you want to buy good properties. That's another another thing that our members, I'm really trying to preach to our members, like it's okay to walk away from a deal. Don't get all excited over one single deal. Don't get down over one deal. There's so many deals out there, Ron. There's so many deals out there, so much land out there where people want to sell it. 
don't get frustrated walking away from a deal. You have to be okay with it. There's so many more deals. You want to buy good land at a good price. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, and as as we keep on topping out the market, and I think it's, I mean, part of this title is recession. Recession's in the title of this episode. Um, so we're going to talk about it. And in recessions, money is so, so valuable. There are so many more deals available to find. There are There is a next deal that is going to be better than what you're about to say no, or what you might say yes to right now. Uh, it doesn't mean say no to every single deal and just wait for the best deal possible, but you'll know when you know. If you're questioning it, uh, you reach out to Daniel and myself or you put it in our Wednesday call and we're like, I, I think this is a little too expensive. Either negotiate down and make it a yes deal without a doubt or say no and follow up with them six months down the line. And the next deal will pay off for itself. And you'll, I think it's just the value of saying no to the, in these situations, you don't want to have a property that you're holding for six months and you are fighting to break even, you're fighting to make a couple grand. You want those properties where you know damn well, like there's no chance that you're going to lose money. And the worst case scenario is you're making 10, $15,000. Exactly, Ron. And what are we doing to combat the market in the recession or the market that's cooling really, really fast? We are buying better properties at a better price at the end of the day which pretty much is saying we're passing on deals that don't fit our criteria. We're getting more strict with our current criteria, period. If we have great land at 40%, we're going to be able to sell it. If we have very bad land at 40%, that might have some defects and it's going to sit on the market a long time. We're not passing or we're not buying that deal around. We're just really, really strict. If you look at our portfolio right now of properties and all of our properties we have for sale, there are some really, really, really nice properties. Beautiful, a lot of road frontage, flat ponds, lakes, good attributes on them, good road access, easy to get places, neighbors. Like it's just, we have really solid properties. And I think that's the biggest thing we're doing to combat the market, Ron, is just buying nicer properties. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's, uh, and that's what we try to like in our education when we're teaching people to end the 30 day challenge, we tried to kind of lay it out for you guys and keep updating our modules and stuff like that. Cause as the market changes, strategies change so much. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing, Daniel, going into that is just buying better properties for better prices. The good properties on the market are going to sell. They're going to sell pretty normal. The bad properties or the defected properties are going to take some time to sell. And then you're going to be fighting to make any money. If you do buy a defected property or a property with uh, that isn't perfect, which you're not going to always buy perfect properties, but a defected property you need to make sure you're buying it so, so cheap that it's just like crazy to say no. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I have. Do you have any last comments, Ron? No, I think that was really good. It's uh, Hopefully you guys can use some of these tactics. I, I think we actually were pretty, usually we're more informational. I think we were pretty tactical in this one, Daniel, where we kind of gave some things that people can take straight to their business and uh, utilize them in terms of negotiating. Yeah, I hope you guys all got some value out of that. But everyone, thank you again for joining. If you guys have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast, it really helps our business grow and we really, really appreciate those reviews. Thank you for joining and we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks, guys.